Okay, and today we, we want to continue our, our series in missions, and we're talking about last week, owning our community, and this week we're going to be talking about loving our community. And last week, if you remember, for those who have been uh, with us uh, last week, uh, if you, we talked about the concept of territorial commitment, uh, where a church or a group of people actually rises up to take personal responsibility for the spiritual well-being of a city, of a, of, of a community. And we're talking about making that territorial commitment, okay, so that the spiritual well-being of a, a community can be looked after. And then what does that translate into? We talk about how we need to then pastor the community that God has given to us, you know, whether it's in a season of your life, be it a school, uh, be it a university, be it a, a workplace, or be it the community that God has placed the church in. We, we will pastor it, we police it, we profile it, we, and then we will be able to penetrate it and to be able to serve it. So those are the things we talked about. And, and I wanted to follow up a little bit on that concept uh, this morning by talking about loving our community and the city that God has placed us in. Those, those are some of the things we talked about. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn with me now to Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. Last week, I make reference to it, but this week, I really want to just take us into it and unpack that uh, for us and what all that means for us. So Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Let's bow. We have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that this morning you will speak to us, not just corporately, but individually, what it means to love the city that you planted us in, what it means to seek the welfare of the city that you put us in. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will take these words that I'm gonna speak in simplicity and you make it real to all of our hearts and so that we can walk out of this place with a fresh resolve to see this city awakened and revived. And then, Lord, help us wherever we are to carry your presence into this city, be it our schools, our workplaces, our universities, our campuses, our neighbourhood. Help us, Lord Jesus, to, to become that carrier of your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. This great promise that is found in Jeremiah 29 is found in a letter that is written by Jeremiah the prophet to the Israelites who were taken as captives to the city of Babylon because of their disobedience. Now, there in that foreign land, you know, the Israelites cried out to God in despair and they grieve for the land that they have left behind, which is their beloved land of Israel, the, the beloved city of, of Jerusalem. They have lost hope, right? They, they were depressed. And in their brokenness, in the midst of all their brokenness, the word of the Lord came to them in Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to verse 7. 
And we must always remember that Jeremiah 29 is an urban promise, right? This is, a, this is a promise given to residents who were once in Jerusalem, but now they are exiled and living under captivity in Babylon. And I believe that this promise that is given in Jeremiah 29 verse 47 also holds a message for the church in our city. And if this promise was applied, if this promise actually in Jeremiah 29, in its original context, it was applied to a people in captivity and in a hostile city like Babylon, how much more would you agree that these promises can apply to us who have adopted this beautiful city of Perth as our home? How many of you agree? We are living in a very beautiful city. You know, and we're living in a wonderful place on earth, you know, and the prophet declared that the Israelites were exiled to Babylon, right? They were exiled to Babylon. Jeremiah 29 verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. This Hebrew word for exile contains both ideas of uh, exile as in forced removal from one's country, which is the case, right? They were forcibly removed from Jerusalem, taken into Babylon. But at the same time, if you, if you read the original Hebrew word, it also carries an element of being sent by the will of God. Okay, they were not just forcibly removed, but behind it all, God was involved. And in other words, the Israelites were in, in Babylon, not simply because of the circumstances of war that they were facing, but behind what was in the natural, which is the war, God was supernaturally engineering circumstances so that the Israelites can end up in Babylon. Are you with me? that yes, there are, there's war going on, they were forcibly removed from where they were and taken to this place, but behind it all, the hand of God was involved. And they, in other words, they were there not by design, they were not there by default, they were actually there by design. Whose design? God's design. See, now we have to ask ourselves the same question, why are we in Perth today? Now, naturally speaking, some of us are born here. That's why you're here, right? Some of us may, may have immigrated to this city, like myself. Right? Some of us are posted here because of our job. Some of us are here to study. Some of us are here because of marriage. You marry someone from this city, so you, you moved over here. And some of us are, may have even retired here. Right? You choose to retire here. But my point is this. Listen to me, people. These are not the main reasons why you are here. These are only the circumstances that God used to actually bring you here. But you are in this city because God has called you here. And that's important for us to understand. You are not here by default. You are here by design. God's design. So whether you are here for a season or whether you are here for a reason, it is by divine appointment. Somebody say amen. You are here by design appointment. Those of you who are watching online, you are in Singapore, it's because you are there by God's divine appointment. If you are in Malaysia, you are there by God's di divine appointment. If you are here in Perth, you are here by God's divine appointment. Somebody say amen. And that brings us back to Acts chapter 17, verse 26, right? Where the writer of Acts says, from one man, that's the principle, from one man, which is Adam, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. 
And then He determines. Who is the He? God. God determines the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. So you are here because God has determined for you during this time to be here. Now, some of us may feel like I'm here only for a while, so why should I even care for this city? Why should I bother with the people in this, in this land? I'll tell you why, simply because when you do so, you will also be blessed. Because when the city prospers, so will you. Now, whether you will find your well-being and your prosperity and, your, and all that and fulfill your destiny in this city will depend on whether you see yourself as being caught here by God and whether you will be faithful to this call. So if you are here by God's design, then what is our call in Perth? What is our call in this city? Jeremiah 29, 7 says this, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So question, how do I seek the, pro the peace and prosperity of the city we are in now? I think the prophet gave us three very key principles, and I want to outline these principles uh, for every one of us, okay? Here are the three principles. Number one is this. I would challenge you, settle into the city. Number one, settle into the city. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 6, tell us this. The Lord actually instructed the people that were carried into captivity. He said to them, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. What's the, all that about? What's the idea here? It's about settling into the life here. Settle into the life here. Make a life here. For as long as God would have you here, you must bloom where you are planted. Come on. You must bloom where you are planted. Do not look back longingly, you know, to where we came from, but begin to settle into this new land. Put roots down. Embrace the city that God has sent us to. I have found that the city of Perth is so full of immigrants. Don't, doesn't matter what your skin color is, we are full of immigrants everywhere. We come from all over the world to be in this city. You see, and when we are here, many of us who have immigrated to Australia believe that God has sent us here. Am I correct to say that? Many of you believe that God sent you here. Okay, and, and, and the reason why you're here is because you have discerned that this, it is God's will for you to be here, which is why you are here in the first place. Whether it's for our children or for our job or for our lifestyle, whatever it is, you have discerned that God's will is for you to be here. That's why you came. And, and here's the good news. You did not just discern the will of God, but you have actually done it. Right? You discern that it's the will of God to be here, and you obeyed it, and you've done it, and you are here. Okay? But here's my challenge to you now. Now that we are here, don't look back longingly to where you came from, be it England or South Africa or, or, or Asia. And stop, stop comparing. 
about everything that's back there. Why are things so slow here in WA? Yeah, literally WA means wait a while, wait a while, yeah, okay. We complain about all these things, right? Why are the schools so easy going here? Where I came from, you know, the students go to school with one big haversack full of books here. They go to school with a lunchbox and a ball. You know, what kind of school is this? Why is the culture so different here? You know, how come the houses are so expensive? Why are the taxes so high? We keep thinking like that. We will never settle down. Hello? We will constantly be looking back. Can I challenge you with this? It is one thing to discern the will of God. It's another thing to do the will of God, which all of us have done. But it is even better, can I challenge you, to take the next step. Delight in the will of God. Don't just discern it, don't just do it, but delight in it. Prefer the will of God. Embrace the, whole, the will of God and, you know, with your whole heart. We delight in the will of God when we stop comparing, we stop complaining, and then we start to declare, Lord, I delight in your will. I prefer your will. I embrace your will. I believe that your plan for me to be in this city is for my good and for my welfare. I am here not by chance but or by mistake. I am here by the will of God. So I'm going to settle down. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. And you know what? I have discovered and I kind of noticed over the 20 years of being here in Perth, I've seen many people come and go. Okay, but I've discovered that I kind of noticed that those who not only discern the will of God, do the will of God, but they go on to delight in the will of God, they often see breakthroughs. They often see open doors. When they begin to embrace that this is God's will for me, I'm here and I'm going to dig in, they are the ones that begin to see doors open. They begin to increase and not decrease. You know, and, and when we begin to really delight in the will of God, suddenly what they need, the Lord will provide. Be it a spiritual home that they're looking for, a church they, are, they want to belong to, be it a job, be it a ministry, they begin to bloom where they are planted. You begin to increase and not decrease. I think it's a spiritual thing. It is more to be experienced than to be explained. There's just something about it. The day when you just decide... That's it. This land is mine. Satan, you get out. Next thing you know, doors begin to open. Things will begin to happen. Number one, settle into the city. Can I encourage you to do that? Here's number two. Seek the peace of the city. Jeremiah 29, 7, right? Seek, or actually that word seek can also be translated work for the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. The second thing we need is to do is to seek the peace of the city. And that word peace is translated from the Hebrew word shalom. Now, don't miss this. This is powerful, you know? The word shalom. This word shalom is a very comprehensive word in, in the Hebrew. A word that's not easily translated into English. Uh, the word peace that has been translated in, into English, shalom, peace, actually is true, but it's a bit inadequate. It does not really tell everything that is uh, the richness of this word shalom. Shalom actually is a state of wholeness, and it includes good health, prosperity, security, justice, and deep spiritual contentment. So it is a wholeness that includes spirit, soul, and body. It's much, much richer than just peace emotionally. More than that, it's spirit, soul, and body. So when the Israelite is about to go to war, 
the people will pronounce over them shalom, which means this, protection in battle. So before a soldier go to war, they speak shalom over them, which means may the Lord protect you in battle. If you are sick, they say shalom, which means let your health be restored. When we speak shalom to our businesses, we are speaking prosperity, economic well-being into the business. When we speak shalom over the city, it means that the city is kept secure by God. Are you with me? It's so rich, you know, this word shalom. Uh, there is political, military security. When we speak shalom over our children, over our family, it means that the family is blessed with physical provision and relational unity. So parents, every time you gather the family together and we speak over them, shalom, what are we saying? May this family always have food on the table and may we always have relational unity, free from strife and disharmony. This word shalom is such a beautiful word, so rich, you know. But the most important perspective about the Jewish concept of shalom, please listen, don't miss this. The most important perspective when it comes to the Jewish concept of shalom is this. It is a relationship of peace with God. It is, a, it is rooted in this. There is no shalom apart from God. See, and, and, and this true shalom will only happen in a city when people are acting in loving and just ways towards each other. That's what all the social laws of Israel are for, is to create this environment, create this city, create this society and community where people are acting in loving and just ways towards each other because they are living in covenant relationship before God or under God. Are you getting this? That's so critical. This, by the way, is the foundation for social justice. Today, everybody's talking about social justice, but where is the foundation for social justice? It is not rooted in just being fair to everybody. That's not the point. It is shalom. It is about finding that, that, that peace, that, that, that covenant relationship that we have before God that allow us to act towards one another in loving and just ways. That's the real shalom. And two weeks' time in the webinar, I want to talk about social justice. And we're going to talk about this. What it means to, be in, to, to really live in, in a just and righteous society. Therefore, the foundation of true shalom, brothers and sisters, the foundation of true shalom is rooted in the salvation of God through the cross. It's only when we get right with God that way, true shalom will come. Then and only then can transformation come. And the psalmist paints the picture of shalom uh, most beautifully, I think, in Psalms 85 verse 8 to verse 13, when we see shalom in its fullness, we see salvation, peace, prosperity, justice coming together. Psalms 85, verses 8 to 13. Let me read this for you and you'll see shalom being fleshed out, okay? What does it mean to seek the shalom? Here's how it's fleshed out. Psalms 85, verse 8 to 13. Listen to this. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace or shalom to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in their land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. 
faithfulness springs forth from the earth, righteousness looks down from heaven, and the Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before Him and prepares the way for His steps. Listen, what is the key to all these things coming together when peace and righteousness kiss each other? You know, where the land begins to use its harvest and all of that. What's the foundation? Foundation is this, the people must turn God to, to God in their hearts. That's the root of it. They don't turn to folly. They don't turn to idols. They turn to God first. And then everything falls into place. And Jesus himself declared in John 14, 27, right? Peace, I live with you. My peace, I give you. I don't give it as the world gives, but don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Jesus has become our true source of shalom. You are here in this city. What do we do? Settle into the city to seek the peace of the city. That's why we are carriers of the, of the gospel wherever we go, because that's foundational to true shalom. And lastly, thirdly, stand in the gap for the city. Stand in the gap for the city. See, Jeremiah 29, 7, go on to say this, pray to the Lord for it. Where do we start? Start here. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Finally, Jeremiah calls us to stand the gap and pray for our city to prosper. And in the context of Shalom, we know that we're not just talking here about prospering economically which we all, uh, we tend to associate the word prosperity with, with money, with, with economy. But the truth is this, if shalom is much wider than that, then I think it's talking about pros, uh, prospering not just economically, but holistically. It's not just prospering physically, but also spiritually and emotionally. Pray towards this. So how do you then pray for our city? To give it a, a, a comprehensive picture now, the Sammis give us a beautiful example of how to pray for a city, in this case, Jerusalem, in Psalms 122, okay, where he joined the prophet Jeremiah to actually pray for Jerusalem. So how, how do you pray for a city? How do we pray for Perth? Can I outline a few things that we can actually pray for and we can start right now, okay? How do you pray for a city? Um, the Sammis give us a beautiful example now in Psalms 122, where you notice he didn't just pray for the salvation or the church in the city, but it's more comprehensive than that. It involves the concept of shalom, wholeness. Okay, let's go to Psalms 122 now, verse 6 to 9. Very simple, few verses, but it outlines for us how to pray for a city. Here, here we go. How do you pray? Pray for the peace, the shalom of Jerusalem. How do you do that? May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your citadels or your palace. For the sake of my brothers and sisters, uh, my brothers and friends, I will say, Shalom be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. So what do we pray for if we talk about praying for our city? I'll outline a few things. Number one, pray for the safety of our city. Pray for the safety of our city. The psalmist challenges us. Pray for the safety of the city. Peace within your walls. We pray that our citizens will walk in safety. Today, right now, we are facing this pandemic. 
7.14 every day, p.m., right? The bell, our phone rings, and we pray. Pray for what? We pray for the city. We pray for the safety of our city. Is that what we do? That's what we're doing. Pray for the safety of the city. See, and we pray that our citizens will walk in safety. We pray for crime rates to go down. Instead of complaining about the crime rates, we pray peace within our city walls. And instead of being intimidated, we exercise our spiritual authority as a church to decrease safety in the land. And we bind lawlessness in Jesus' name. We pray for those who commit crimes to be rehabilitated and changed. Right? Today, we, we got neighborhood watch uh, here and there, right? To prevent crimes. I think we also need a spiritual neighborhood watch in different suburbs. Right? Churches in different suburbs coming together, raise a canopy of prayer over our suburb and call for the fear of God to come upon the land. We pray for the safety of our city. Nothing wrong with that. I think we should pray for the safety of our city. Here's number two. Pray for the leaders of the city. The summits actually challenge us. Pray for security. Not just within the walls, pray for security within your citadel. The word citadel can be translated as palace. Right? It's referring to a place of government, a place of authority. If there is one focus of prayer that is being stressed in the Bible, it's, it would be to pray for our government, to pray for the authorities of the land. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. Listen to what Paul wrote here. I urge them, first of all, priority, first thing, that requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Where does having a safe, God, uh, quiet, you know, peaceful city come from? In prayer. Pray for our leaders of the city. Can you see the critical role that governments play in bringing about the well-being of a city? And we pray for those in authority, it opens doors to peaceful, secure living with godliness and holiness. And it's so true because where governments are oppressive, the land is devastated. We have seen so many uh, where oppression, so much oppression and injustice and pain in regimes, you know, ruled by ungodly government. But just look at what's happening. Uh, and, and you look around the world and you can see it, right? So that's why we need to pray for the leaders of our city. So that's the second thing. Here's the third thing. How else do we pray? We pray for the economy of our city. The psalmist also declared resolutely, I will seek your prosperity. Here's a cry for the city to be a city of economic well-being, right? And, and, but bear in mind that the prayer is not just for the... When we think in terms of economic well-being of a city, you know, our mind straight away goes to, goes to wealthy people. But no, when, 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 when uh, the Sami says, you know, seek the, 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 the prosperity of a city, he's, he don't just have in mind the wealthy in the city. He's thinking also about the poor and the needy. Are you with me? He's thinking about the marginalized and the poor and the needy and the people that are left behind. In a city where God is reigning, no one is to be poor, marginalized, or hungry. And God wants us to pray for the prosperity of the city because wealth can either liberate or it can oppress the people in the city. In cities where wealth is used wisely and justly, the poor are taken care of. But in cities where the wealth is badly administered, then the poor are oppressed. 
So in some sense, I'm very thankful for the welfare that we have in our city because it takes care of the poor, where there's a distribution of wealth. And I think that's not bad. And that is why you see cities like Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed. For what? It's because they oppressed the poor. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, we were, tell, we were told this. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Why was Sodom destroyed? He said, this was the sin of your city Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. And boom, God, deal with it. You know, I think that's incredible. <laughs> when you think about that. The Apostle James gave the rich the same warning in James chapter 5, verse 4. He says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mow your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Where you see oppression, you know, and injustice, and the people, those who are oppressed, begin to cry out to God. Guess who heard their cry? When they raise a cry, who hears it? God hears it. And God hears the cries of the harvesters. You know, when the poor in the city cries out, guess who hears their cry? God himself hears their cry. And God is concerned about the economic well-being of the city. Not because, so that, you know, it's not because he wants all of us to drive BMWs and Lexus and nothing wrong, with, by the way, we're driving all those cars, but I'm just making a point here. But because he, he, he wants us to pray for the economic well-being of the city so that we can care for the poor, the needy, the orphans, and the widows. And then he challenges us, pray for the economic well-being of the city. It's not so that the rich can get richer, it's so that the poor can be taken care of. Why not? Here's one more. Pray for the people in the city. Psalms 122, verse 8. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, Shalom be within you. The psalmist reminds us, pray for the people in the city. And this includes the saved and the unsaved, the rich and the poor, the educated, the illiterate, the young and the old. We pray Shalom over them. That they will all come to know the Lord who is the foundation of all Shalom. See, and the psalmist goes on to tell us it is because our God is here in the city. So Psalms 122 verse 9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. And because God's house is here, we must pastor the city that we are in. And the people in the city will become either, must become either my brothers or my friends. How's that? May everyone in the city become either our brother or our friend. So we pray for all of them. If they come to the Lord, they are my brothers. If they're not yet in the Lord, they're just my friends. But I'll pray for them still. <laughs> you get me? And because God's house is here, that's what we do. First Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. I urge them, first of all, request, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone. Everyone. And lastly, Pray for the church in the city. Pray for the church in the city. I think it's important that we pray for the church in our city. And I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in Perth. We pray for the church in the city to be awakened. And when we are awakened, there is hope for the city. Amen. And church, would you listen 
to the Holy Spirit this morning. And, and I would challenge you, whether you're watching online or you're here, we must begin to see ourselves as people whom God has brought into this city to bring shalom to our city. We must see that. We are here to seek the welfare of this city. If you are a doctor among us, see yourself as a doctor sent to bring physical health to this city. That's what you're here for. If you're an accountant, you are sent here to look after the economic health of the people. You're a lawyer, you are God sent you here to help advocate for justice in the city. If you are, a, you are a builder, God sent you here to help this city develop proper housing. If you are a teacher, God sent you here to, to actually influence and craft the young minds of this city. If you are a banker, God sent you here to help this city to prosper. If you are a real estate agent, may God use you to help people find their right homes. If you are a pastor sent to this city, you are here to nurture the spiritual health of our city. Our work is not just about getting a paycheck month after month. Our work is part of the answer to the shalom of our city. That's what our work is for. It's not just to get a paycheck. It is so that we can become an answer, part of the answer at least to the shalom of our city. And interestingly, this phrase, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, can also be translated, work for the peace and prosperity of our city. And this is so true. We are working together to bring God's shalom to our beloved city of Perth. And we are here to meet the felt needs of the city so that doors can be opened to introduce Jesus to them. And then we can have the most important need met, which is eternal salvation, the foundation of all shalom. Amen. I got five more minutes. Can I translate all this for you into actionable steps that we are going to take as a people, as a, as a church. I believe that there is a process that we can adopt to intentionally tear down the walls within the church and the community, and it can result in harvest and breakthrough. I'll outline for you very quickly four things that I think, four simple steps. Number one is this. We need to open highways. In other words, pray for our community. That's where we start. Pray the Lord of this city. Before we can see any breakthrough, we need to soften the ground through prayer and intercession. And this is where we saturate our community with prayer. Prayer walking is one of the best approach because we can pray on-site with inside. And on the 31st of August, which is another two weeks from now, two Fridays from now, we're going to call the whole church to prayer. And together we seek the Lord for our city. And then we dream together as connect groups, how can we do a part in bringing shalom to our city? We dream together. We ask God to download things on our heart so that every connect group can dream about something we can do together for the welfare of this city. Number one, open highways, begin by prayer. Okay, number two, open hands, serve our community. Along with prayer, we can begin to touch base to the community through acts of kindness, through, through programs that can begin to tear down the wall of distrust between the church and the community. I think we can begin to bless and serve our community, no strings attached. That's the reason why we started Faith Community Services in the first place, is so that we can serve our community. Number three, open hearts. 
so that how do you do that? Get to know the community, relate to them. Our, once contact is made, I think we can intentionally begin to profile the community to find out the felt needs of the people that we are reaching out to, be it the campus, the schools, or the neighborhood. We then design programs that will cost the community not only for us to go to them, but for them to come to us. Okay, I think acts of kindness that all of us do uh, with, with our neighbours, with, uh, with our community around here, these are all acts of kindness. They are meant to connect the church to the community. But ultimately, it is programmes, what we call penetration programmes, that will build long-term relationship and actually open the hearts of the community to the church. And then we can really enter into the life of the community. Now, let me just make that clear so that we all understand. There is a, there's a difference between what we call acts of kindness and what is known as penetration programs. Penetration programs are what Faith Community Services does all the time, okay? They develop programs that allow the community to, be, to, to come to us and be blessed. So there are two different things, acts of kindness, penetration programs. Now, acts of kindness is when we go to the community, uh, we do things like, you know, hang cookies on their doors, you know. We bake a cake for Mother's Day and we give it to the, to the neighbourhood. These are just acts of kindness where we go to the community. But what Faith Community Services does is when the community comes to us for programmes like dancing, exercise, cooking, all those kind of things, you know, support groups and all that, they come to us. Okay, but we must start with acts of kindness, then it leads to a penetration program. Um, the acts of kindness are meant to change the perspective of people towards the church. Okay, whereas penetration programs open the hearts of people to believers. Okay, acts of kindness, you make a sudden impression. You know, you, you, you open up your door and you see a pack of cookies hanging there, and then it says, you know, it, it's from the church. And then people will go, huh, why did the church do this? You know, so it's just a, a sudden impression. But when it comes to programs, it meets a felt need. We are meeting the felt need. People want exercise, so therefore they get it. Okay, it's meeting a felt need. Um, when it penetra- in acts of kindness, it's kindness based, whereas penetration programs are felt need based. One is touch and go, right? You give people a Mother's Day cake, it's touch and go. But penetration programs, you stay and you build relationship. Okay, acts of kindness is off and on, but penetration programs, you literally, is ongoing. One helps us to contact many people, get in touch with many people, but the other, you connect with those who really want it. And then we build relationship. One is for bridge building, just to build a bridge between the church and the community, but the other is relationship building. One uses an element of surprise. You know, you knock on the door and you give your neighbor a cake. That's surprising. And then they say, huh, why would you do that? That's surprise. But it's a beautiful element of surprise. But the other is the strength of the program that attracts them. Okay? And, and one is done before getting to know the community. You're just wanting to build a bridge there. But the other is you're done after you know the community. You know what their needs are, so you create programs that meets them. Are you with me? So we, we, do, we need to do both. So you have open highways where we pray for the community, open hands where we serve them, open hearts so that we get to really know the community, and finally, it will result in open homes where we can now literally reach our community. The final step, build relationship to the point where they will open their homes to us, meaning they let us into their private world. They begin to open and share, and they begin to tell you what is going on inside their lives. What are they really facing? What are they experiencing? And when this happens, we begin to experience open homes. And then we find opportunities to bring the kingdom of God to them 
praying for them, introducing Jesus into their situation. That's where we can begin to really connect them to things like harvesting events in the church like Alpha or, you know, a Bible Discovery Method or any other harvest events that you want to use. In fact, that's what we're going to be doing. Right now, in, in August, there'll be five Alpha online groups that will be starting in the church so that we could connect with people far away from God. And church, I want to challenge you, you know. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I believe new life, new hope can invade our community one household at a time until transformation comes. And transformation is not the work of any one local church, but we will work together with others, work together with other churches in our city so that we can begin to see a city impacted and transformed. Amen. It takes a city-wide church, you know, to win a city-wide war. But win, we must. Amen. You know, it's been said that without vision, the people will perish. But it's equally true that without the people, the vision will also perish. It's my prayer that for the rest of 2020, even though we are in this COVID situation and all that, the church may be a little bit close, but missions continue. You know, we continue to reach out. My prayer is that every member, every family in FCC, we will resolve to live an other-centered life, even through this crisis, and we make a difference in this broken world. And let us live for a cause greater than ourselves, the cause of the kingdom. And we will begin by praying. And August 31st, I call the church to prayer. And we together pray. And then together we dream. Together we ask God, download, you know, plans, visions, things that we can do to become more missioner, to actually reach the community that God has planted us in. Whether it's our neighborhood, whether it's our schools, our workplaces, our campuses, that the Lord will help us. Amen. And you know what? When you start to live for others, you find great meaning in life. Really does. Can I invite you to stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord.